You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we're going to close out our Growing Up series. We're looking at our journey to spiritual maturity. In the first week of this series, we looked at Paul's letter to the Ephesians as Paul addressed the doctrinal and the practical, what we believe and how we behave. And he spoke about growing and maturing in the Lord. The second week of the series, we focused in on the dangers of staying too close to the getting in place. The dangers of staying too close to the beginning of your salvation. The most important thing you'll ever do is turn your life over to Christ. But you have to understand there's more beyond that. And there's dangers at just staying in at the getting in place. And Paul compared it to being infants in our faith that can only handle spiritual milk. We have to grow and mature beyond that to eat the spiritual meat. Amen? Then last week, we looked at the spiritual maturation process that every believer must experience. Certain... Excuse me, certain actions were appropriate when you were a child, but when you get older, you must mature. And Paul gave us three areas that we must grow in. He said, you've got to grow in the way that we talk, in the way that we think, and in the way that we reason. And I just wholeheartedly believe, church, that this is a year of maturing in our faith at DCC. This is that year. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a continued theme throughout this year. There's not a better group of people that I want to be with on this journey than you. And I count it a pleasure that God has put us together. He's knit us together, and we're going to grow together. Amen? Amen. 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 You know, I don't understand some teenagers today, if any of them. But, and there's some in the room. And some are not guilty of what I'm about to talk about, but there are some that are. And conviction is about to hit their hearts. I don't understand why they wait to get their driver's license, and they don't make it a priority. Like, that does not compute with me at all. I have no understanding. Um, they're just happy having someone else drive them around, chauffeur them around. And, and that's, that was not me at all. And I have a feeling there's others in the room that were a lot like me because I couldn't wait to get my driver's license. I couldn't wait. On the, the morning that I turned 16 years old, I was waiting at the DMV for them to open. Like, I, it couldn't happen soon enough. I wanted that new freedom. I wanted the opportunity. And I also wanted the responsibility of that. And so I, I know with my own children, my own children, when they were 15, and, and we, we kind of forced them to get their learner's permit, um, driving was not even on their radar. Like, they could care less about it. And when they finally did get their, their driver's license, they didn't know how to get from Newberry to Gainesville. You know why? Because they were on that phone. Every time we're driving down the road, they were on that phone. And I, I, I'm thinking, you need to watch. You need... They couldn't even get to Archer Road at all. Couldn't figure it out. Am I by myself or do other parents in the room have... There it is. I need to start some parenting classes. No, just a parenting support group. That's all we need, right? With every season of maturity comes new opportunities and responsibilities. Hear me, church. With every new season of maturity comes new opportunities and new responsibilities. Like I said, when you turn 16 years of age, you're now eligible to get your driver's license. When you turn 18, you're now eligible to join the military. And you're eligible to vote. Of course, at the age of 21, you can now legally drink. However, by the time that I turned 21, I had stopped drinking. And so what happened before I was of legal age is none of your business, okay? 
I'm not saying that I may or may not have spent one night in jail for underage drinking. It has been expunged, okay? So you can't find it. And, and now when you get to my age, it's less about the number and more about the season of life. Like, I'm really not celebrating birthdays anymore, okay? I'm past that place in life. Um, but I love this current season that I'm in because it's, it's just me, it's Mandy, and it's Knox. And that's really all that matters, right? That's all I need in my life. The rest of them can all move away. I don't care. But you have to leave Knox. Um, and then when you become a senior citizen... Many places will offer senior discounts and blue plate specials. There's some people in the room who have no idea what that is. Look it up. And eventually, you'll reach that day where you will draw retirement and maybe Social Security. Time will tell. And as we close out this series, I want to submit to you that there are advantages and opportunities as you mature in your faith. This is why we need to grow this year as a church in our maturity but more importantly we need to grow in our maturity our spiritual maturity as individuals because that's what's going to make up the greater whole of who we are amen with every stage of spiritual maturity new doors are open to the believer and you have to ask yourself this question can God trust me with the blessing because I promise you God's got a blessing ready for you as you step into a new season of spiritual maturity, God has some things in store for you. But you have to ask yourself, can God trust me with it? Am I spiritually mature enough for God to trust me with that blessing? And I'm convinced that there are some opportunities that God can't bless if we are too immature to handle them. I know this. I know that when I moved here 17 and a half years ago to plant a church, I was not spiritually mature to, to, to organize, to oversee, and to pastor a church as great as we have right now. It was impossible. I may have thought I was, but that was immaturity speaking. I was not ready, but as, as I grew and matured in the Lord, new doors of opportunity opened. And by these divine assigned opportunities, they're, 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 they're just a byproduct of something greater that has happened in the believer's life. So today, I want to give you three advantages to spiritual maturity. Three advantages in your life that as you grow, as you age in your maturity, that doors are open, opportunities are there, and there's some advantages that you need to, to mature so that you can take advantage of. Okay? Everybody say amen. Amen. First one I want to share with you is this. Spiritual maturity helps you overcome your past. I know there's people in this room that your past continues to haunt you. But I want you to listen to the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. He wrote, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on. In other words, I mature. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Here it is. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Amen? I want to hold on to the progress I have already made. There were these two men that ran into each other on the street. And one noticed that his friend looked sad. He just looked, looked depressed. So he, he said to his friend, he said, man, you look so depressed. What's on your mind that's got you so down? His friend quickly replied, he said, my future. My future is what's got me down. He, he said, your future? Whatever in the world makes it look so hopeless? To which his friend answered, my past. Church, if you were old enough to have sucked on a bottle yesterday and get your diaper changed today, you have a past. You do. You have a past. Every person in this room has a past, and some of them are better than others, and some of them are painful. You look back, and, and you don't want to remember your past. You don't want to live back through those years and through that, that pain. And, and sometimes it was something that someone did to you, and other times you did it to yourself. And whatever the case, the past can be painful. And the hard reality is that no matter how bad or how great things have been in your life, you have things in your life's history that you wish that you could change. And many people, many Christians, struggle all of their lives trying to, to, to uh, overcome their past, trying to get over that. And some people have never forgiven themselves, so they have a hard time believing that God has truly forgiven them. They've given their hearts to Christ. They receive that initial forgiveness, but they have a hard time as the enemy puts thoughts in their heads about their past. They have a hard time getting past that because if you can't forgive yourself, how could God forgive you? Maybe some of you live daily with a constant ache of regret. The thoughts of your, your previous mistakes and sin, sins, they still haunt you. I'm, I'm sure that you've seen those, those before and after pictures in, in ads for diet pills. Anyone else in the room want to throw the remote through the TV when you see them? No? Uh, the before picture always features someone, how can I say it, just out of shape. Let's just put it that way. Even though rounds of shape, they're just out of shape. The after picture then shows a similar person, but, but they're trimmed, they're sculpted, and usually holding out the waistband of his or her pants. And that's when you grab the other remote control to direct TV or whatever it is, and you throw that at the TV, right? The ad tells the story about how this particular diet pill or diet plan melted off the pounds, whether or not you believe those amazing testimonials, there is an even more amazing before and after picture of your life. It's the picture of your life before Jesus, and then it's the picture of your life after Jesus. Um, the, the problem is that some of us are not willing to let the Lord take the camera for him to take the picture. And so we're holding on to the pain of yesterday as if it's valuable. Like, like it, it, you know what? Let me, let me say this. Sometimes the pain of your past you, you allow it to become your identity. Instead of becoming a new, creature, uh, new creation in Christ and, and accepting that new identity, you're holding on to this because you have found your identity and you're hurting and your pain and you're afraid to let it go because who are you going to be if that's not you? And so you, you, you've got you to figure this out because to grow spiritually mature, you cannot hold on to your past. It's the advantage, it's a benefit of growing in, in Christ because you can leave that behind. The pain of your past is not a keepsake for you. It is a distraction by the enemy to paralyze your next move into spiritual maturity. 
And one of the greatest weapons against your life is, is what you have done in your past and, and what's, or what's been done to you. And that's what the enemy keeps bringing up in your thoughts. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. How many of you praise God that he's doing a new thing in your life? Amen. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not, I'm not that person. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to step in some, into some new. I want a new season. I, I want to get past that, get past my past, and move into my future that he has ordained for me. Amen? When, you're spirit, when, you're, when you mature spiritually, you recognize that my past does not define me and you allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead you into your future. In our text today, be reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3 and 13. He said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The second advantage is that spiritual maturity also helps you discern right from wrong. As you become spiritually mature, you are enabled by the Holy Spirit of God to discern what is right and what is wrong. Why is it that some people can make wise decisions that lead to an advantageous life, but others make poor decisions that lead to pain and heartache? It's because, church, of our sinful nature that we were all born with. Left to our own demise, we make bad decisions. When we just try and do life on our own without allowing the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to lead us, we will mess up our lives. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Hold on to that. Everyone who lives on milk, if you just stay at the getting in place, it says you're unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish Good and evil. There was a time, church, when, when children were taught the difference between right and wrong. Do you remember those days? How many of you were raised like that? How many of you were raised that if you, if, if you did what was wrong, you got a belt for it? You don't want me to get started. That's why I can't write my parenting book that I want to write. Because half of you would walk out and you'd never read it. So I'm going to stop right there so you won't like, disconnect for this sermon. But just know where I stand. Don't make me take my belt off. All right. At one time, children were taught the difference between right and wrong. Now they're taught that wrong is right. How did this happen? It's because as we have progressed in humanity, we've become less and less dependent on the Word of God. I'm, I'm preaching something right now that will change your life. It will change your household. It will change your mar marriage. And it certainly will change your children. It's brought about confusion on what constitutes human life inside and outside the womb. It has brought about confusion in our sexuality and our God-assigned gender. It has produced hatred and racism towards people that look, believe, or vote differently than we do. It has produced a society that is trying to reprogram our children. And we're once again entertaining conversations with Satan at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that can pot potentially affect our entire eternity. And you only have to read the first few chapters of the Bible to realize that. 
Time and time again, humanity has proven that we cannot leave it up to our own moral code because when you do, morals fly out the window. Because morals are, are granted by God. You read the Ten Commandments. He knew what it would take for us to live and, and prosper together. There's a moral code. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, when you, when you get right and wrong confused, when you start teaching and reprogramming children that what is biblical, what is true and what is right is wrong, and then what is wrong is actually what is right, church, you're going to mess up a generation. And, and I think the farther that we go along, we're seeing spiritual immaturity that is developing in our nation. The late Charles Colson, founder of Prison Fellowship, insisted that no society has long endured without a common moral consensus. He denounced the myth of moral relativity, which produces chaos and confusion. Colson wrote that today's myth of moral relativity relativity, listen to what he said, hides the dividing line between good and evil, between noble and base. It has thus created a crisis in the realm of truth when a society abandons its transcendent values, each individual's moral vision becomes purely personal. In other words, we just start looking out for ourselves instead of the good of humanity. Whatever is right pleasing for me whatever my sinful nature says this is what you need this is what you deserve then all of a sudden we have ruined society it's time that we get back to a consensus of what is right and what is true and church there's no other way around it this nation was founded on the word of God it needs to return to the word of God and finally spiritual maturity gives you strength to endure it gives you strength to keep going, to make it through it. We live in a world that accepts defeat and produces irresponsible members of society. Think about it. They quit their jobs when it doesn't go their way. It's personal. Me, me, me. I, I, I. Mine. One of the first words that most kids learn. Mine. Mine. When it's all about you, they leave their churches when they get their feelings hurt. That's why we have so many weak churches and weak Christians. You do understand we're all human here, right? And we're not all going to get it right. We're going to fail each other sometimes. But if we operate in spiritual maturity through God's grace and God's mercy, through the love of Jesus Christ, we'll be willing to stick it out and work it because that's what you do in relationship. Because God knows he stuck it out with me. When I was failing him, and sometimes I still do, he still stays in relationship with me. We must learn not to break covenant with brothers and sisters in Christ just because someone hurts our feelings. They end friendships when there's a disagreement. They walk out of their marriage due to irreconcilable differences. What a legal term. They abandon their children, and it's not always physically. Sometimes it is, but it's not always physically. But sometimes mentally, parents check out because they just can't deal with them. But go back to the Word of God and see what it says. 
because we have to raise our children according to these standards, not some self-help book that tells you how to raise your family. Listen to what the old apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy, his spiritual son, not long before he died. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul fought the good fight, finished the race, and through it all, he kept the faith. This is what spiritually mature people do. You you don't fight for the right thing, stay the course and finish the race, or keep the faith to become mature. You do those things because you are mature. This is what mature Christianity looks like. And we've got to change the way that we do things. We've got to allow God to once again speak to us and be led by him and not by anything else in society. Because you do those things because you are mature. Understand that spiritual maturity is not measured by our external performance. I'm glad you're here today. And I think this is part of God's plan to helping us grow. But church attendance, that's not how we measure spiritual maturity. How much we give in an offering, that's not how we measure spiritual maturity. How many small groups we attend, how many small groups we lead. We don't measure spiritual maturity by attending midweek Bible study. And certainly not by how many times a month we serve or how many direction teams we serve on. Those things are a byproduct of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not measured by our experience. I I, I love retreats. But if you go on a spiritual retreat, spiritual maturity is not measured by how many retreats you go to, by how many women's events you attend. By how many men's events you attend. By how many fall retreats you go to. Axis. Christian concerts. That's an experience. They're great. I love a good concert. Shoot, I love live music. I love a bad concert. I just love live music. But a Christian concert does not measure your spiritual maturity. A worship event. It's great. But these things are all byproducts of spiritual maturity. You want those things more because you are spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is not measured by our external barometer. Those things flow out of it. Spiritual maturity is measured by the inner transformation of the heart. It has to happen in here in order to be lived out there. Because whatever you're doing out there in spiritual immaturity is not going to last unless something has happened in here first. That transformation of the heart, it affects everything else we do. It will affect your past. It will affect your ability to discern right from wrong and your strength to endure. So how do you achieve this? On this last installment of the series, how do we achieve this? How do you grow in your faith? How do you grow in your spiritual maturity? Romans 10 and 17 tells us how. 
So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've lost our desire to consume the meat of the word. And I'm praying that throughout this next year, God gives us such a hunger and a desire for his word. As the psalmist said, let me hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the greatest deterrent for the enemy's attacks, for temptations. The word of God, this is what we measure our lives against. Because the word of God is a mirror into which we have to look. It's the only barometer that we can measure our spiritual maturity against. And if you're only receiving God's word into your spirit on Sunday morning, then you're not growing spiritually, church. You're most likely maintaining at best, just staying alive. It's like going out to eat after church on Sunday and letting someone else serve you and then not eating for the rest of the week. Maybe sipping milk a couple of times a, a day, but, but there's no real nourishment to facilitate growth. Because if we want to grow and mature, we need to feed ourselves the right food that will nourish our bodies. Or, or maybe you're, you're eating but filling up on junk food Monday through Saturday. You've heard it said, you are what you eat. When you study the Word of God, the Word of God studies you. When you read it, it reads you. It is that mirror, and you'll see really where you're at in your spiritual maturity if you'll read it and read it at face value because you cannot consume his word and not be transformed. It will change who you are in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.